Hi, this is Janice Torres from Yo Quiero Dinero. If you own or operate a business, whether it's a local operation or a global corporation, partnering with Bank of America could be your smartest move. By teaming with Bank of America, you'll enjoy exclusive digital tools, award-winning insights, and business solutions so powerful, you'll make every move matter. Position your business to capitalize on opportunity in a moment's notice. Visit bankofamerica.com slash bankingforbusiness to learn more. What would you like the power to do? Bank of America N.A. Copyright 2024. My business used to be weighed down by the complexities of in-person payments. Then Stripe tap to pay on iPhone came along and changed everything. With Stripe, I streamlined my payment process effortlessly. No more juggling different methods. Just a simple tap on my iPhone and transactions are complete. What's truly remarkable is how Stripe caters to all my customers' preferences. Whether they're using cards, Apple Pay, or other digital wallets, Stripe ensures a smooth checkout experience every time. Setting up Stripe was a breeze, taking just minutes to get up and running. From local markets to global retailers, Stripe helped me expand my reach and grow my business with ease. To learn how Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe can help grow your revenue and reach, visit stripe.com slash tap iPhone. Coming up on DTNS, Facebook's virtual reality sunglasses. Streaming TV has a price war on, and I think you're the one they're having the war on. And the latest attempt to decentralize the internet and free you from big tech. This is the Daily Tech News for Wednesday, July 1st, 2020 in Los Angeles. I'm Tom Merritt. In Salt Lake City, I'm Scott Johnson. And I'm Roger Chang, the show's producer. Uh, We were just talking about our favorite gum, but also uh, secret plans to launch something at the end of this show. So stay tuned for that. If you want to get that wider conversation, though, become a patron and get good day internet at patreon.com slash DTNS. Let's start with a few tech things you should know. Spotify kicking things off with an expanded availability of its premium Duo plan to dozens more markets to bring the total to 55. Duo lets users or people, two people in the same address, share a premium plan for just $12.99 a month while both having distinct accounts with their own playlists and history, uh, listening histories, that sort of thing. Spotify also created a or creates a Duo Mix playlist with songs that both listeners like. Spotify premium for one user costs $9.99. And that's per month and a family plan at $14.99. And that can go up to six accounts. Microsoft published two out-of-band security updates, still on a Tuesday, just not Patch Tuesday. Uh, These patched vulnerabilities in the Windows Codex library. The bugs only affected Windows 10 and Windows Server 2019. But if you have those, the vulnerability could let attackers use a malformed image file that, when you open, allows malicious code to run. The updates were delivered through the Windows Store, not Windows Update, meaning you don't need to take any action as a customer. And Microsoft says it has no evidence the bugs were exploited in the wild. Bloomberg sources say Apple has begun canceling some in-development Apple arcade games because they didn't have enough engagement with the service. Sources say Apple is looking for games that keep players hooked as they will pay for the Apple arcade service after free trials end. Apple reportedly used Grindstone as a prime example of that kind of game. A strain of ransomware targeting macOS has been dubbed 
OS X Evil Quest. It encrypts files, installs a keylogger, a reverse shell, and steals cryptocurrency wallet files. It's malicious. If victims pay the ransom to decrypt the files, the attacker may still maintain access to the computer because of that keylogger and reverse shell, etc. K7 Lab security researcher Dinesh Devados tweeted findings Tuesday and estimates Evil Quest has been distributed since the beginning of June, so this one is out in the wild. Malwarebytes reports finding Evil Quest in pirated software though it says it may also be more broadly distributed never trust your kidnappers uh dish announced wednesday it has completed its purchase of boost mobile from sprint dish's acquisition of boost mobile was one of the conditions required by the approval for the company to merge uh t-mobile and sprint together current boost customers keep their service which is still on sprint's network however new users phones will be automatically activated using the t-mobile service area Existing users can take their phones to the Boost store to get switched over to that wider service network as well. Yep, some MVNO stuff going on there. U.S. Senator Lindsey Graham and Senator Richard Blumenthal have published a manager's amendment to the proposed Earn It Act. That's the one that would cause tech companies to lose safe harbor protection of Section 230 if they don't comply with best practices for the removal of child sexual abuse material. That best practices definition was the big holdup. The amendment now removes the commission that would have been drawing up the best practices. And that's the one that possibly could have required a backdoor to encryption, which was why a lot of people were against the Earn It Act. Uh, Instead, under the Earn It Act, companies will be beholden to existing state laws. California will begin enforcing its digital privacy law. The law went into effect on January 1st, but companies had six months to become compliant. The law lets consumers ask companies what information they hold, and ask them not to sell it to third parties. Companies found in violation of this will be given a warning and 30 days to fix your problem. Yeah, what this means to most of you is more pop-ups. All right. (laughs) Uh, Let's talk a little bit more about a Samsung leak. Everybody's always excited about Apple leaks. What about Samsung leaks? Well, renders of an unreleased Samsung Galaxy Note appeared not on Twitter, not on Reddit, not on a blog. On Samsung's own website in Russia. Uh, Russian YouTuber Gary uh, was the first person to find this, apparently. And Twitter tipster Ishan Agarwal also spotted uh, what looks like a copperish Galaxy Note 20. Uh, The pictures show a camera array with that same folded zoom lens that you see in the S20 uh, that's out now. And The Verge determined that the images appear in the background of a section of the Russian website that reads, Discover the New Generation Note. And that links to the Note 10. The image also matches leaked images of the Note 20 cases, which further makes it seem like, okay, these are legit. They're on a Samsung website. They match the case. This has got to be the Note. So The Verge suspects that someone was making that page and went and got the next generation but got the note instead of the uh the the note 20 instead of the note 10 uh because those images exist for a forthcoming announcement usually we get the note announcement sometime around august or so yeah you knew this was coming i mean it's not that big of a shock but it is nice once in a while to see leaks happen accidental or otherwise on the site of the of the of the company who makes the product that's being leaked normally it's like oh some website got a hold of something or some employee let something go but this is a little bit more homegrown, and I don't know. I kind of like it. It also helps confirm it, right? We don't have to talk about this rumor. It seems like it's going to happen, so yeah. Yeah, get ready. Exactly. 
Facebook showed off a proof-of-concept virtual reality headset that looks a lot like a pair of sunglasses. Kind of thick ones, but sunglasses nonetheless. It is uh, virtual reality, not augmented reality, which is important to note. It has a 9-millimeter thick display per eye and uses holographic optics instead of a refractive lens. Holographic optics record the interaction of laser light with a lens. Facebook also says it uses polarization-based optical folding. That's a mouthful to reduce the space between the display and the the, uh, lens that are built into them. This, in effect, moves light back and forth within the lens to reduce the space needed to get that job done. They look like, I mean, it's, you know, a concept, right? So this isn't anything that will be in your hands soon. But it looks like the direction we want to go, Tom. It looks like it's pointed right toward let's get smaller and more portable. I mean, if you compare it to a virtual reality headset like the Oculus Quest, this looks amazing. Like, oh, my gosh, these are like glasses. They're so lightweight. If you compare it to actual glasses, it looks like the the ones they give you when you you know you have your eyes dilated. Like they're they're kind of huge for glasses, right? Uh, but it's and and it's just a proof of concept, which means they've made it work, but not necessarily made it practical. Uh, right. whether, whether that means it doesn't work very well or they couldn't mass produce it or it's too expensive or, or whatever. But uh, you're right. You're absolutely right. This, this is the direction I think people want to go. I always think of this for augmented reality. I think, well, augmented reality could be glasses that look just like the glasses you normally wear, but project augmented reality. Uh, and virtual reality could just be some way of darkening those lenses to shut out the light. Uh, so that you can get that virtual reality experience. Um, this this is definitely virtual reality. It's shutting out all the light, but it's very thin. I, and and the technology they're using here, the holographic optics, makes perfect sense. Yeah, it does. I mean, we don't have any. There's no way to know what this thing would do in terms of you know storage or any of those things. Because yeah, again, they it's don't go into any specs. Probably so who knows? Is my guess. Maybe you put point. it in the the ear bars or something. Who knows? But um, the word polarization jumped out at me, and it made me think. It reminded me anyway that my particular prediction is there will come a day where there's no distinction between augmented and virtual they will be the same device and you'll achieve the goals of augmented and virtual with the same device and one will just shut out all light when it needs to do what it needs to do and the other won't and this this while this blocks everything out i could totally see something that kind of went bling and was clear when you needed it for augmented. that's that's basically what i was saying earlier too i'm I'm with you on that um i uh i do think that i want to say that this kind of technology is still early days. That way somebody can mark that off their bingo card. Yeah. Uh, Nikkei Asian Review reports that Apple was looking at the next iPhone not shipping until 2021 at one point uh, because of the delays caused by COVID-19, but has been pushing its suppliers to reduce those delays for what are expected to be 5G iPhones And they're making some progress. According to Nikkei's sources, uh, Apple did complete engineering verification tests a month behind schedule. They finished them in June, but that's a month later than they would normally uh, finish them for a fall release. And that's partly because Apple has people back in the office. Uh, Unlike a lot of uh, tech companies, they they have sent limited numbers of people, social distance, not just the people you saw at the WWDC keynote, uh, back into the office. So what does that mean for the usual September release? Uh, Might not happen until October, which sometimes it doesn't uh, get actually released. It often gets announced in September, not released until October. Might get pushed to November. It doesn't look like it's going to get pushed to 2021 anymore. Uh, here's the scoop. Models that use the sub-6 gigahertz 5G bands, uh, those are the ones that are easier going through walls, but they don't have quite the speed 
uh, of the other bands. Those are ones used in, in Korea, by the way. Appear to be behind by about one and a half months. The millimeter wave models, which are more current in the United States, and those are the ones with the higher speed, but they have they need some assistance getting into buildings. Those appear to be two months behind. I think the millimeter wave ones, my guess, would also have the sub six gigahertz bands because T-Mobile uses sub six gigahertz in the U.S. while Verizon and AT&T use millimeter wave. Um, but it looks like one and a half months behind for two of the models and two months behind for one of the models so my guess is we might get a late september announcement with maybe a late october shipping date for two of them and maybe even a november shipping date for the millimeter wave one yeah and this doesn't as best i can tell stop apple from having its normal schedule for when they want to have a presentation not too far off no. no it sounds like and it sounds like they're really pushing them to even tighten those so those delays might get shortened too we'll see what happens yeah if they get up on stage and say well on stage however we, I, I really <laughs> like their i know you've had a lot of discussion about this but yeah, yeah. just my, throw my hat in the ring i really liked the virtual presentation this sort of nintendo direct style approach that they took to the last one so i'm kind of all for those i think they'll eventually return to you know audience and stage and all that but uh I actually look forward to a flagship non-developer conference style presentation to see how they do that differently. Because showing off the phone is usually a lot of stage stuff, a lot of clapping, a lot of demos, and then also a really nicely produced sort of short commercial, some like the old Johnny Ive things they used to do. Um, I want to know what that looks like this year. And because it's delayed, does that change the messaging at all? Um, you know, I don't, I don't know, I, I, but I'm, th- this has been a curious thing to watch and, uh, we'll see what happens, I guess, in September, October. Yeah. Uh, I, I'm with you too. And I, I think we'll probably see another virtual announcement rather than on stage in September. And I, you know, WWDC, they kind of do want eventually to have developers in the room, but maybe for the rest of them, they don't. May not. Uh, NBC, you may have heard of them. The national broadcasting company is adding content to its Peacock service. That's their streaming video service that launches soon. Uh, And they're getting that content from Viacom CBS, TV shows uh, from CBS Showtime and the CW, along with films from Paramount, will be available on the new Peacock service starting on July 15th. Peacock is available to most Comcast customers right now. Of course, Comcast being the parent company of NBC. So that makes sense. Anyway, and will launch to the rest of us in the U.S., on July 15th. Yeah, so I know that a lot of people are like, hold on. <laughs> First of all, why is CBS letting their stuff on NBC's service? Don't they have CBS All Access? And also, Scott, you were pointing out in our, in our prep meeting for this that isn't CBS stuff also on HBO Max and yeah. Netflix and Hulu uh, <laughs> and other places? Uh, I think I can explain this. One of the things when Hulu launched, and I was still working for CBS Interactive, uh, was people asking why CBS wasn't joining Hulu. And the CEO of CBS at the time, Les Moonves, spoke to us at CNET after we got acquired, and, and he addressed that at the time and said, we want to get paid for our content wherever it's used. Uh, we, we're not interested in being exclusive. We're interested in monetizing our catalog and they have followed that even though Les Moonves isn't at the company anymore. They have followed that strategy of saying, cheers, Dick Van Dyke show, family ties, all all that stuff in our back catalog. Uh, anybody can have it. Hulu can have it. Netflix can have it. We will not make it exclusive. It's just padding for your, your, your back, uh, catalog and it's paid off. 
because the gamble when you when you go exclusive in your syndication is that you'll make more money because people will want to come to you. But I think CBS is smart in going like nobody's going to come to a service just for family ties, but they might <laughs> come across it and go, oh, that's cool. I want to watch that. I'm, I'm watching Cheers uh, over myself right now. So I, I think that's been interesting for CBS to approach it that way. And they are now making money off of all of these services as well as their own. Well, I used to be a huge Justine Bateman fan when I was younger, but I'm not sure today I would be driven so much by Family Ties. But that's interesting. A lot of the names that you mentioned, a lot of the shows and the content you mentioned are associated in my head with NBC programming, like Thursday Night Plus CTV. Cheers is a good example. Uh, Friends is a good example. But as we've learned over time, and this happens a lot on the show, you bring it up all the time, these are not always productions of the network you're watching them on. A lot of times Fox will produce a show, but it's airing someplace else. Same thing goes the other way. An NBC show like, um, I don't know, I can't think of a good one, but something uh, that they've made is now showing on a a whole other network. And so there's already that mix. So this just makes sense. They've made a decision to make their back catalog a little more of a padding back end to whoever wants it. And I'm, for one, I'm glad of that. I feel like I don't have to go too far to find it. And if people are confused going, wait a minute, Tom, Cheers and Family Ties were on NBC. They aired on NBC, but they were produced by CBS. So CBS owns them. Uh, Same for Friends, which aired on NBC, but is owned by Warner. And so Warner gets to decide who to license it and they decided to license it to themselves uh they, they bought it back to from themselves so that is confusing when you think like but i used to watch it on this network wasn't always doesn't always mean it was made by that network and who made it is the company that owns it now and so cbs is just licensing the stuff that it owns uh willy-nilly now interestingly viacom cbs they're all one now the viacom shows are not part of this this is the cbs side of stuff showtime cw <laughs> Comedy Central, MTV, all of that stuff. That's that's a whole different story. Yep. YouTube TV has raised its prices for its streaming cable replacement service from $50 to $65. We talked about that quite a bit on Good Day Internet uh, yesterday. Uh, Fubo TV also just bumped its package up by $5 a month, uh, making the base package $60. They're getting ESPN on Fubo TV, but they're temporarily right now in a carriage dispute with Fox, so they're losing a lot of their Fox sports, which is not good. Uh, in response to all of this, Sling TV announced an all new that all new and existing Sling subscribers as of August 1st will get a one-year price guarantee. So sign up by August 1st, folks, and you'll be locked into that price until August 1st, 2021. If you sign up for three months of service for Sling TV, you also get an Air TV 2 DVR. That's a thing you you hook up to your network and an antenna, and it will record over the air shows. And they're going to give you an antenna to go along with that. Uh, Sling service is not easy to explain. It starts at $30 a month, which sounds cheap, but that doesn't give you everything. There are two packages, the orange package and the blue package. Some of the channels are on both. Orange, I think, has Fox channels and blue has NBC and ESPN channels. Uh, it's, it's Maybe NBC's on both. I can't even remember off the top of my head, but it's very confusing. So it's time to start taking advantage of easy cancellation and do some price shopping. That's what's going on. Is Sling a better one for you? Or is even at $65 YouTube TV still the best deal for you? I always recommend Suppose.TV. It's an easy way to see who has the channels you want and how much they cost. Agreed. Yep. All right, folks, if you want to get all the tech headlines each day in about five minutes, be sure to subscribe to dailytechheadlines.com. 
One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. The Claude 3 model family from Anthropic is your one stop shop for enterprise AI. With models at every point on the price performance curve, you no longer have to make trade offs between intelligence, speed, and cost. Claude 3 Opus sets new industry benchmarks for intelligence. Sonnet strikes the perfect balance between skills and speed. And Haiku is the fastest and lowest cost model on the market, perfectly designed for high volume, high speed use cases. Join the thousands of enterprises who trust Anthropic to keep them at the frontier. Visit anthropic.com slash Claude today. My business used to be weighed down by the complexities of in person payments. Then, Stripe Tap to Pay on iPhone came along and changed everything. With Stripe, I streamlined my payment process effortlessly. No more juggling different methods. Just a simple tap on my iPhone and transactions are complete. What's truly remarkable is how Stripe caters to all my customers' preferences. Whether they're using cards, Apple Pay, or other digital wallets, Stripe ensures a smooth checkout experience every time. Setting up Stripe was a breeze, taking just minutes to get up and running. From local markets to global retailers, Stripe helped me expand my reach and grow my business with ease. To learn how Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe can help grow your revenue and reach, visit stripe.comslash tap iPhone. Swiss decentralized computing company Dfinity announced its internet computer is now open for third party developers to build serverless apps. These are apps on the internet computer, that's the name of their product, that do not need a host to run from the cloud. Internet computer runs across multiple independent data centers. So it's not in a server farm controlled by a single company. It's not on AWS, it's not in Google Cloud. It's on a bunch of independent data centers. None of them are, they're not all owned by the same company. Dfinity's internet computer is also non proprietary and it does not need web servers, databases, or firewalls. Here's a little bit about how it works. Normal apps like Zoom, let's say, will run software on your end, on your laptop, let's say. That's called the client. And then on the server end, that's serving you the video. That's the server. Uh, and they use the internet protocol, IP. That's the IP and IP address is the internet protocol. That guides the data from the server to you. Dfinity Has created what they called the Internet Computer Protocol. This is non proprietary. And here, the software that would normally run on a server can run anywhere. That means it can move between servers. It's not always in the same place, it's not always on the same data center. It can be at the place that has the best capacity. And apps can be released with no owner or controller because of that, because you don't have to rent server space. Now, if you're like, wait a minute, why would data centers do this? Well, data centers get paid to run ICP in crypto tokens generated by the network. Uh, so the, this network has also got a cryptocurrency associated with it. And the more it's used, the more tokens are generated, and the data servers get to mine those. That means that the data centers don't have to have access to any of the data in the apps. They just need to be able to host them. They don't even care who's hosting them. They're going to get paid either way.、Uh, that means there's no tracking, well, at least no easy tracking、uh, to be done here. It also makes it potentially harder to get content taken down. 
though. Uh, that's There's nobody running a server, so you can't go subpoena the server and say, hey, you've got some nasty stuff. You need to take that down. The crypto token portion of Dfinity also means developers could regulate their own apps in conjunction with users. That hasn't always worked so well with Ethereum and Bitcoin, ask around. Uh, Dfinity has, however, convinced people to give them money. They raised uh, $10 million in crypto token sales. Investors include Andreessen Horowitz and Polychain Capital. Dfinity is now showing off an example app running on the internet computer protocol called CanCan. It's basically a TikTok clone. CanCan was built with less than a thousand lines of code using the Motoko programming language. Back in January, it demoed a social network for business called uh, Linked Up, kind of like LinkedIn, but Linked Up. And uh, if you're a developer who's like, you know what? I want to explore this internet computer thing. Uh, you can go apply at dfinity.org. That's D-F-I-N-I-T-Y.org. They do plan a public release for later this year. Uh, there's a bunch of these kinds of projects going on, Scott, but what do you think of Dfinity? Well, I can't recommend enough people read the MIT Technology Review uh, about this that uh, we have in our notes today. It'll be in the show notes. Um, it was It was eye-opening because... It is easy to forget how far we've come in, let's say, 20 years when the Internet was in its infancy. And we kind of had the Internet that these guys are saying we should have. We kind of had that early days thing going where nobody really owned anything and everybody kind of had equal chance and the, and the, and the playing field was level. There was a really great quote in there uh, that said, there is an economic problem with all of this. The effective monopoly of these firms are talking about Facebook, Amazon, Google, uh, to name a few stifles the kind of innovation that spawned them in the first place. It's no coincidence that Google, Facebook, and Amazon were founded back when Barlow's cyberspace was still a thing. And I really, uh, that really resonated with me because what we've basically done is we've said, hey, Internet's open and it's free and it should be. And we want to get away from models like the AOL sort of locked inside of a garden model. And those walled gardens would stay it would come and go in different ways, but really we wanted to move away from that. And what we've done is we've moved right back into it because certain players did really well and played all their cards right. And now we're beholden to them in the way that they would have been had other factors been different then. So to foster that kind of innovation now, decentralization is the key. The difference now is we may have a way to do it and do it securely so that we can finally get it out of the way and get it done. There was always talk about the the internet too, but that was always about speed and about performance. Well, now it's about, hey, what if we get back to a place where it's not four baskets with all our eggs in them? And it really resonates with me, and I know it does other people, but it really... My my guiding principle with the internet since I first got on the internet in 1993 has been uh, the internet routes around. You You put something in the internet's way, and it finds a way around it. Now, over time, the things that the internet has had to route around have gotten bigger. It used to be faster at routing around them. Facebook, Google, Amazon, uh, et cetera, they're the biggest things the internet has ever encountered that it has to route around, and it's taking a long time. Maybe they're the things that finally the internet can't route around, but these are the things to watch to see if it can. Can, you know, can a project like Definity catch on? I'm not saying Definity is the one. It probably won't be. 
but there are a lot of these being tried. Let's bring you up to speed on some of the bigger decentralized projects out there. Solid, which I've talked about before on the show from Tim Berners-Lee, wants to enable you to manage your identity and personal data independently from the service you use. So all of your data would be in a container that you would, could grant access or revoke access to instead of sitting on a Facebook server. Uh, there's the 15-year-old Safe Network, a peer-to-peer system which shares all data across hard drives of participating computers, where Definity uses data centers. Safe Network uses the computers in the network rather than using data centers. It supports a Twitter clone called Patter and a music player called Jams. Uh, there's also the Interplanetary File System, or IFS. That's a peer-to-peer system for storing and sharing files securely. There's Blockstack, which is kind of a combination of a lot of these ideas, a decentralized network for apps, but also identity management. Uh, In that technology review article, uh, speaking to the slow progress of these projects, the project manager of Solid, that's the identity management one from Tim Berners-Lee, Lalana Cagle, told technology review, quote, when it comes to actually taking action, nobody wants to leave Facebook. (laughs) Like, that's (laughs) the problem is you've got all these great options and everybody wants them to succeed, you would think. But in practice, everybody's like, yeah, but my grandma once is on Facebook, and that's where I need to put the baby pictures. Yeah, the only, the only other thing I would add to this is in that article, uh, this quote just this quote got me thinking. It says, another possibility is the Internet may be forced to change in this direction, whether the average users care or not. Uh, quote, privacy regulations could become so restrictive that companies will be forced to move to a more decentralized model. They might realize that storing and collecting all this personal info is just not worthwhile anymore. Yeah, maybe. A lot of pressure from advertising industry executives not to do that, though, yep. uh, because how do you effectively advertise then? Right. Hey, folks, if you want to join in the conversation about this and other things, uh, get in our Discord. Uh, they're talking about Blockstack right now. You can join it uh, by linking your Patreon account from patreon.com slash DTNS. Uh, Scott, do you need to use the lavatory? Uh, sometimes. Not currently, but most of the time, yes. Are you in Britain? Well, if you were, then you would need to try this. Nate Langson has an idea. Guys, if you try just one new podcast this week, I'd love it to be the latest episode of my show, Text Message, which is a bit like DTNS, but with my voice instead of Tom's and not quite as good. But... This week, it does have a lot about how technology is being used in Britain to help people stuck without toilets on remote Scottish islands during lockdown. And also, why Disney's pulled all of its channels from our cable networks. You can find Text Message by going to uktechshow.com and loading up episode 210. Hope you'll give us a try. Uh, Thank you, Nate. I like to think of Text Message as the daily tech news show without as much of a time commitment and much more pleasant accents. I've never even heard it, but I'm, I want to now after his description. It sounds yes. fantastic. Uh, UKTechShow.com. All right, let's check out the mailbag. James wrote in uh, and said he was hearing the discussion about deepfakes on Monday's show. We were talking about a new protocol that does face swapping uh, in a better way. It makes it makes it less easy to detect, which is great for movies, etc. Uh, James said, I wanted to alert you of a good application of deepfakes to protect anonymous sources in the HBO 
documentary, Welcome to Chechnya, about the anti-gay purges in Chechnya, where LGBT people face secret abductions, imprisonment, torture, and extrajudicial killings, and activists are trying to evacuate LGBT people from desperate situations that started in early 2017. The documentary replaced the faces of the survivors with the faces of volunteers, and there's an article on Vox.com that talks about it, using deepfakes. So people who wanted to tell their story but were afraid of being identified, instead of having the the shadowy thing that replaces the face and kind of makes people look a little weird, uh, they just put a different face on them. And then if that person was identified the documentarians would be like, yeah, that's me. I'm the documentarian. I put my face on it. I'm, I knew we'd find it. I mean, all this talk about deep fakes is such a negative conversation. Most of the time with people I talk to about it, they're all worried about it. It's going to ruin everything. It's the Photoshop of our time, blah, blah, blah. And it's way worse because it's video. But I knew there was somewhere in here, we were going to find something where it was like, Oh, okay. Great use case for this tech. And there are others. I, I'm sure we could all think of, but this is a good one. So I'm glad they shared it. That's pretty rad. Thank you to our patrons, especially the folks who who help out a little extra at the master and grandmaster levels, including Ken Hayes, Brad Schick, and Paul Boyer. Y'all rock. And thank you, Scott Johnson. Now, Scott, mm. I know that we've got a project coming up that uh, we want to launch together. Should we just announce it now? Tom, are you goading me into agreeing to this? I want you to not pull a Johnson and announce something before it's ready. (laughs) I just want you to make it ready right now. Well, I can tell you this with with great confidence that it is actually ready. Yes, that's right. The cookies are out of the oven and ready to eat in a very metaphorical way. Um, So Tom and I, since 2010, have been doing a show together called Current Geek. A lot of you subscribe to it. I know a lot of common names across these two shows and see you guys in both places a lot. And it's gone through all kinds of changes, but it's always been focused on the nerdy, geeky stuff in our lives that we love. Movies, comics, TV shows, you name it. We love talking about it. We love talking to guests. We love doing all sorts of stuff. But we want to do a whole lot more, and we already have started. So, as of today, it's officially launched. We're going to Kickstarter to launch our relaunch of the show. It's going to be called Current Geek Chronicles. And it is a curated eight-episode season where we focus in on specific issues. For example, where did the word mana or mana come from? And why is it used so much yeah. in modern Why do Scott and I know it's supposed to be pronounced mana? Well, you'll have to listen to that. <laughs> right, exactly. Out. I don't call it mana in normal conversation, but I do now. Uh, why is wrestling such a big deal? And why do non-wrestlers still don't really get it? Well, we go in and we explore that. And lots more. Really nerdy stuff. We take big, deep dives. There's a video that explains it all at the Kickstarter, and I've made you a really easy link to get to uh, go do it. You go to support.currentgeek.com, and you can be early and upfront with the new launch of Current Geek Chronicles, which will happen if we fund this thing. So head on over, check it out, look at the rewards, and uh, let us know what you think of what we're doing. We are so stoked. I mean, Tom said it, I've said it. This may be some of the coolest work we've ever done. Yeah, uh, we, we've started work on it. Uh, it's one of the best things I've ever worked on. Uh, we played it for a friend of ours whose initials are JRY, uh, <laughs> and he said uh, it's Radio Lab level stuff. We want to be able to finish this season. Uh, we, we went ahead and started because we're crazy, uh, but we need your help now to make sure that we can afford to finish it. Uh, so go back us, support.currentgeek.com. Yeah, and uh, we've got editors and writers now, too. They need to eat. You'll see all that in the video, so go watch it and let us know. 
Hey, folks, uh, next week is Security Week, starting Monday, July 6th. We're featuring special security guests each day of the week, including Alan Alford and Mike Johnson from the CISO Series podcast, Seth Rosenblatt, security reporter, Alyssa Miller, covering topics like improving your security while telecommuting and understanding deepfakes. Uh, Go check it out in your Daily Tech News Show feed, and you can support us to be able to do stuff like that at dailytechnewsshow.com slash Patreon. Our email address is feedback at dailytechnewsshow.com. We're live Monday through Friday, 4.30 p.m. Eastern, 2030 UTC. Find out more at dailytechnewsshow.com slash live. We'll be back tomorrow with a guest whose initials are J-R-Y. Talk to you then. This show is part of the Frog Pants Network. Get more at frogpants.com. Diamond Club hopes you have enjoyed this program. <laughs> Hi, this is Janice Torres from Yo Quiero Dinero. If you own or operate a business, whether it's a local operation or a global corporation, partnering with Bank of America could be your smartest move. By teaming with Bank of America, you'll enjoy exclusive digital tools, award-winning insights, and business solutions so powerful, you'll make every move matter. Position your business to capitalize on opportunity in a moment's notice. Visit bankofamerica.com slash bankingforbusiness to learn more. What would you like the power to do? Bank of America N.A. Copyright 2024. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. 